Today, Adulting 101. For many of you, you've already hit that point. You should have already adulted by now, but I am sure that you will learn something from our guest today. And hey, you know what? Maybe this is a perfect opportunity to spend some bonding time with the kids and listen to the podcast together. This is the Seven Figures Podcast, smart money strategies for women with Sandy Waters. Pete Hardesty, co-author of the book, Adulting 101. How are you? Sandy, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. No, Pete, how really, how are you? (laughs) How really am I? I'm actually doing pretty well. (laughs) I want to prove to you that I read the book and I know you say when you ask someone, how are you? You have to be genuine and interested in what their answer is. <laughs> well, that uh, man, that's, that's unexpected. That's one of the first times <laughs> anyone's ever said that to me. And I appreciate it. I want uh, you to know you... I care, Pete. I care about your day today. <laughs> Sandy, more often than not, I would probably say, you know, actually, let me tell you, but I, I'm I'm actually doing really well today. I, okay. I've had a great week, and it, you know, it's it doing doing good. Awesome. Okay, good to hear. Um, <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Because we all care. Um, okay, so now this is this is really great. At first, my first impression of your book was, oh my god, look how cute this tiny little thing! I can barely freaking read it now that I'm over forty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is really good. Even, you know, someone in my 40s, I'm actually reading it with my girls, one of which is 15, the other one's 10, and they're mm. learning a lot from it. So this is awesome. What inspired you to write this with uh, with Josh? Well, Josh and I have been friends for a long, long time, and we realized him working uh, in in the restaurant industry and me working for a nonprofit, we were around young people a lot. Uh, hundreds. Uh, and we realize that maybe school doesn't prepare you for the real world like it could or should. Mm. <laughs> uh, I noticed this when I worked at James Madison University, which is really hard to get into in Virginia. It's a great, great school. And we, I had a student who didn't know uh, how to fill out a check. We were going on a trip and he was trying to pay. And he was like, I don't know what goes where. And I said, you don't know how to fill out a check? He said, no. He's 20 years old, you know, and then I also had a, a guy, another, a different guy who we were writing, we were teaching them how to write thank you notes, just a great habit to have. Yeah. And he didn't know where it went, like the return or the, the to and from addresses. He didn't know. And I said, didn't you, haven't you gotten mail in the last month? He said, yeah, I don't really pay attention to what's on the front uh-huh. yeah. of the envelope. <laughs> and then we also noticed that as young people transitioned to that first year uh, out or second year into the real world. They really struggled. They really struggled for a, a lot of reasons. So much shifts at once. We realized, you know, we might be able to help do something. And, and there's no silver bullet. It's not like just give them this book and they'll be good. I love that you're going through it with your daughter because, Sandy, you're going to have a bunch of stuff that's not in that book that can help her. And what we've seen is parents, no matter how old the, the, the child is, you know, high school, college, even later, they, they can, it's, it gives a platform to go through and kind of say, oh yeah, let's talk about money. And there's some yeah. four or five chapters on money, but you have a bunch of stuff you want to talk to your daughter about money that's not in the book. And so we love that. That's one of our dreams come true. <laughs> and it's all connected actually, even when, like you talk about the workplace environment a lot, um, the EQ, which I want to have you explain that, but even all of that is connected to money, to our success and not necessarily how much money we have. Yeah, money can't buy us happiness, right? I mean, right. we know that. 
but mismanagement of it can bring us Absolutely. a whole lot of misery. I mean, you know that. I, I love. I actually listened to, you know, I listened to a couple of your last couple uh, podcasts, and I love what you are doing. I mean, I love it. I love that oh, helping love people, helping people figure this out. It's one of the, it's one of the great stressors in life, but it can become one of the great victories and encouragements in life. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. That was yeah. nice of you. So let's no. talk about the EQ, because you cited in the book, I thought this was really interesting, 90% of high performers in the workplace have high emotional quotient, 80% of low performers have a low EQ. So what does that even mean? And then if you could explain it a little bit. Sure. Yeah. EQ is the same as IQ, only emotion. So it's emotional intelligence. And basically it. It's been proven, well, the last three or four studies have shown this is the number one indicator for future success. Okay. Not where not where someone went to college, not how smart they are, all the different other factors. I'm sure there's a lot of factors, but if you want to pick one leveraged indicator, it's EQ. How do, Basically, it's how do people relate to people? How do they see themselves? How self-aware are they? Uh, you know, I, for me, it's just... I can, I sum it up as knowing yourself and knowing others. And so there's a lot of different tools for this. And, and one of the greatest encouragements is you can actually improve it. It's not something that's just, Hey, this is set. This is who you are. You can actually do things to move it ahead, to, to learn, to grow a skill. Of course, some people are naturally emotionally intelligent and other people aren't. I would say I put myself in that second category. Like, (laughs) Not, you know, how do I perceive people? How do I perceive myself? How self-aware am I? Ah. Um, and, you know, there's lots of great tools for this. If, if you've, if you've a, a lot of times now for hiring, if you're applying to a job, they'll have you take several personality tests. I know one of the hot things right now is the Enneagram. Have you heard of this? Oh, you know, yes. <laughs> okay. Explain that a little bit more. Would you, would you recommend that we all take that? Yes, definitely. And I'm not actually a big expert on it. I've never actually used it with my team, but I've taken the test a bunch of times. It's basically like to sum it up, there's, there's nine personality types that they've kind of, that we all fall into one of these categories and it's nine types of normal for seeing the world. It's just, this is the lens that we see not right or wrong. It's just, these are maybe some tendencies, how we see others. And the more you know about how you see the world, the more you can be healthy in knowing Oh, I see that. I see it this way. I want to, when I walk into a room, when I first meet someone, I'm thinking about them in this way. Mm. It's so helpful knowing in business or the marketplace or the home or the family, all these things, you can parent a little differently because you figure out what are your kids? What number are your kids? And one of the things is what's your number? That's a big question now. Like it's one through nine. And, uh, you know, you can figure out how do you, uh, you know, how do you see the world? And this can help, this can help you parent. It can also be, how do you see money? And I don't, I haven't done much study on this, so I don't, I don't, I can't speak on it well, but I do know that, you know, each number sees money a little differently. Uh, and so that's, that helps to know how you're, it's almost like your family background and different things will, will affect how you see finances, how you see money. Is it the root of all evil? Is it the path to happiness? Is it uh, fill in the blank? Sure. And, and a lot of how we're wired will, uh, will affect that. Okay. So being aware of this brings up your emotional quotient. Yes. Yes. And I think the more, the more you can become self-aware and knowing yourself, the more, and being secure in who you are, 
the more you can actually uh, grow, the more you can uh, be a force for good in your workplace, whatever that is. Uh, and, and so it's so important. I think it's so important to know yourself. And the more, the more emotionally intelligent you are, the more successful and high performing you're going to be. Okay. Now let's stay in the workplace a little bit because I know you touched on and you mentioned that millennials are pushing us towards more of a collaborative workplace. Mm, so mm, yes. how can we fit in here? Well, I think knowing young people, we have this, you know, we have a dynamic where we have a lot of 23-year-olds entering the workforce, unfortunately thinking they should maybe have the job that they should have when they're 33. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, let me find, there is a great stat, 75% of Gen Z, which is basically, you know, 25 and under about, okay. um, believe they should get a promotion during their first year of being in work. <laughs> um, and most millennials do as well. And so they're coming in thinking, you know, maybe with some unrealistic expectations around work, but th that's maybe one of the negative sides, but they're also coming in, which I think there's one of the most hopeful generations. They want to make a difference in the world. They want to make an impact. They want their life to count. Yeah. They're the most gl globally aware generation we've ever had because every single thing that happens in the world gets pinged to our hip, our phone, you know? Oh, sure. And so, but collaboration there, they are used to working together. It's not a, you know, so I think bosses that are maybe in their thirties, forties, fifties need to know how to supervise these new, they, they want and need constant feedback and encouragement, not a once a year review. Uh, they also want to be involved in, in things that matter. Uh, it's, I, I've, I have so many personal relationships with these recent college graduates because that's the you know space I've worked in for 20 years. And I can't tell you how many of them take a job and then a month or two in or just, I don't feel like this is the right place for me. It's not a fit. And it's just, they maybe haven't done work that seems menial. Um, and, and, you know, my boss gave me a great piece of advice. He said, you have to see forever in the mundane. Like you have to see the, there's a lot of stuff we have to do in almost any job that we don't really love. Very few people have a job that they love 95% of it. Yeah. Uh, but you have to see your impact. You have to see importance in actually everyday tasks. And so, but they are looking for collaboration. They're looking to do stuff together, which is for, I'm also in my forties. That's not how I kind of grew up working. It was more like my boss would come in tell me to do something. Yeah, and, and you just do I might, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might see her in two weeks or I might see her. Yeah. You know, she yeah. might call in a month. How you doing? Yeah. And it's all so. about self-praise the way we were raised. <laughs> so the old school way of thinking is, oh, come on. Do we have to coddle these kids and treat them like children? We're grownups. We're in the workplace. Do you feel <laughs> right. like we're just jealous of the fact that these kids are pushing us to be a little different? Gosh, you put your finger on something that's so important. I think it's like. The, these kids are so great. I mean, they're the hope for our future, right? Yeah. They are our future. They're going to be the people in 10 years that are all the movers and shakers, but they're pretty fragile. <laughs> they haven't had, you know, we've moved from helicopter parents, which are kind of, you know, hovering above and yeah. sweeping in. Oh yeah. I'll raise what, my hand. I don't know if, That's me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> to snowplow parents, right. Where they say, clearing the way or the kid is walking. Imagine a kid walking behind a snowplow and uh, the parent is trying to clear out any yeah. 
any semblance of danger or rejection or, you know, harm. Uh, and so when they get to college or when they get into the real world, all of a sudden it's, there's no snowplow in front of them. And these kids really haven't dealt with much adversity, which it comes from a great place. It's parents that love their kids and want to try to do everything they can to set their kids up. But parents have moved from preparation to protection. Yeah. And if you wrap a kid in bubble wrap for 18, 20, 22 years of their life, all of a sudden the bubble wrap comes off, they're very easily bruised. And that's what's happening in the workplace where they, I don't know that they want to get coddled, but it's it's really tough for them to hear rejection. And that's the hard part. Like me in my 40s, I'm like, well, just deal with it. I know. <laughs> you know? Figure it <laughs> just out. Just grow up. You're not very good. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> right. Exactly. Find you another get, job. You, you, there's a lot of no's in the real world, you know? So, um, but we have to resist. We have to resist that temptation. And and think about a lot of times we've, it used to be 15, 20 years ago. It's we prepare people for the road. We prepare kids for the road. Now we've been trying to prepare the road for the kid. Ah. And that's not it. We need to move back to preparing the kid for the road because you don't know what the road will, will bring. There's a lot of winds. There's a lot of turns. There's a lot of bumps. There's a lot of speed bumps. Yeah. Do you think it's we need to adapt to their needs or is it they need to learn the way that we used to, you know, the rules we used to live by? That's that's the question, right? If I had that answer, I'd be a lot richer than I am, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think we, I do think we meet in the middle. I okay. think it's some they they're going to have to learn some grit, yeah. and they're going to have to learn to, you know, to to deal with rejection. I, I did. I talked to somebody just a couple weeks ago, a, a young grad. She's in her second year out. She applied for nineteen jobs. She got maybe six or seven interviews, but got zero of the jobs. And she is sharp. I mean, this this gal is sharp, and she she's kind of like, wow. I'm 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 really tight with her fiance, and so she was just we were just kind of talking about some uh, you know career counseling stuff. Just and she was asking basically like, is this is is this who I am? Is this reflective of who I am? Yeah. What was she doing wrong? I could be pretty. Yeah, yeah. And I said no. She's she's really sharp. And I said you just gotta. You got to keep going. This is not, it's not super rare. Um, But I think with encouragement and uh, it's kind of meeting in the middle, right? We have to figure out they're going to need more feedback and more encouragement. um, But they're also maybe capable of reaching to to heights that we weren't capable of because I didn't know what was going on the other side of the world. Sure. When I was 20, there wasn't any internet. We had to, I had to go in the computer lab to type email. It was a blue screen with white writing. And so <laughs> how did I know what was going on in Europe or Africa or Asia on the other side of the world from my little bubble? It was the school newspaper once or twice, it's college newspaper once or twice a week. And the world section, Sandy, was one little tiny two inch by two inch thing. 18 pages on what's going on in my college. But, and then also the news. How, many, how often did I watch the news in college? I don't know. Sure. So yeah, I think they have this potential. And if we'll show up and ask them and, and try to get to know them. And that's, again, it comes back to this EQ thing, not just for them, but also for us as bosses or more advanced people in the workplace. The one benefit, though, is it's making the workplace a little softer. We can get away with a little bit more because, you know, we could just play the card of, hey, you're doing it for the millennials. I need more praise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's so true. Hey, I really want to. I really want to serve everybody in my workplace. So yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah. that's great. We can take advantage of that. Okay, let's move <laughs> a little bit into. And there's so much great stuff in this book, Adulting 101. Um, we're on with the co-author Pete 
scarcity versus abundance. This is more about the money, the financial side of it. How do you mm. perceive scarcity versus abundance? How should we look at it? And you're you're much more uh, you're much more advanced and um, intelligent in the financial realm than I am. But I think this is one of the tipping points, one of the biggest leverage points of how do you how, how do you see money? What's your perspective? What's the lens you're seeing? How much you make? How much you spend? What do you do with it? How much do you save? And I think, again, our, our personality type, the Enneagram, the, those type of things, how we're wired will affect that. I think our family background will affect that. Did you ever talk about money at the, at the dinner table? Did, you, did your parents ever talk to you about money? What did your friends treat? Did you, have, did you have money growing up? Those type of things all affect how we see it. But the, the, the truth is there's enough for everyone. That, that's the truth. There's enough money to, to provide for needs and some wants. And so how do we see it? If we see it in scarcity where we kind of, you know, and I, I've been both places. It's been yeah. like, you know, where I'm kind of, if you imagine I'm, I'm, I'm crinkling up my hands right now in the claws and grabbing every dollar that I see. Uh, or if there's this picture of abundance where you can be generous with your money, a generosity unlocks this perspective on abundance. You think it's the reverse. You think, okay, have this, have this picture of abundance on, about money, and then maybe you be generous. Maybe you give some money away. Maybe you give to charity. Maybe you help some friends. But I think it's actually the the opposite. I think every time I give money away, and and I try to, you know, I won't go into the details, but I try to give a pre, you know a pretty significant percentage of my money away. It releases the grip that money has on my life, mind, and heart. <laughs> and because that can be a lethal grip. I have, I'm, you know, I was spared from going to New York City and going into the, onto Wall Street, because I, I was thinking about doing that, but I've worked for a nonprofit ever since I've graduated college. So. That's yeah. fascinating, and that part of your book <laughs> that you do kind of just, you're so open about, hey, listen, I work for a non-for-profit, so I'm not making tons and tons of money, but yet you did, say that you're so generous with your money and everybody says what you just said everybody says just give give and don't worry you'll be taken care of and it'll come back to you and it's a different viewpoint and you will be okay but i see some people giving and they don't have a lot and mm. it, it, they're putting themselves in even a worse place financially because they're giving before they're taking care of themselves yes yeah that, that's a tough you know the tough part is when do you start giving? Yeah. <laughs> and so do you want it to be a habit? Cause when you're, when you're really going check to check month to month, which I've had that for a couple of years, uh, I think in the book I, I share my first salary fresh out. And this wasn't like 1930. I mean, I'm, this was ninth in the late nineties. My first salary was 13,500 college grad full time 13. I mean, I, I never even heard of anyone making that. Yeah. So I had to figure out, I had to be very creative, but it was something that I held to that. And just in my life, I've kind of landed on 10% is where I started. And, you know, it was funny. John Rockefeller said, if I didn't give 10% away when I was making $3 a week, I wouldn't be able to give 10% away when I was making a million dollars a week or what, you know, I forget the second yeah, figure, yeah, but sure. he said, if this is a habit. And so, yeah, I, you know, if you need to eat, of course you need to eat. Right. But I think the earlier you can get that habit into your life, uh -huh. 
all, most of the successful businessmen and businesswomen that I've gotten to meet with and take an inside look to in, in their life or business, they have a habit of giving away and they feel like that money has come back to them. It's just one of the life principles. You reap what you sow. That, that's just, we can't get away from that, right? Yeah. And so, and you know that, you reap what you sow financially as well. So I'm not saying that, hey, if you, if you start giving away, all of a sudden you're going to win the lottery. <laughs> you're right? going to wake <laughs> up in a bed of money, okay? <laughs> right, it's like <laughs> ducktails, awesome? ducktails with nickels. You'll be able to swim in <laughs> yeah. your gold coins, right? Remember that cartoon? <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. Um, but I do think that this habit of generosity, of giving, giving it away is one of those ones, if you sow that, you will reap abundance. And I think it's, how do you see money? If you see it, if it, it's like the American dream. America would tell us, look out for number one, try to get as much as you can. You remember that bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. Ah, yeah. That is not true. Like that, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I had a poster, I had a poster on my wall when I was growing up and had all these fancy cars, this huge mansion, by by uh, the water, and it said justification for higher education. It had a Ferrari, oh, Lamborghini. Oh no way! Oh my yeah, yeah. gosh! It's not true though. That yeah. is not true. I mean, but I was I, I lived it and believed it, and so I, it took me a little bit to kind of re revamp and rewire about uh, the more you give away. The, I, I mean, this is crazy to think. I mean, the more we give away, I think the more fulfilled we are, and also the more avenues open up to us. I mean. You do reap what you sow. Yeah. It's one of those laws of reality. It's weird. <laughs> it, it, well, you know, you're not the only one to say it on this podcast either. A lot of successful people do, like you said, say that and believe it. Um, okay. So now this book, Adulting 101, the entire book, it, it really fits in the category of smart money strategies. But personally speaking now for you, what is your go-to smart money strategy that you can leave us with? Uh, well, I'll do two, two short ones if that's okay. Okay, absolutely. Um, I would say, and uh, the the uh, automate investing. Okay. And that doesn't matter the it doesn't matter the amount. When I was making that much money, I met with a financial planner, and he said, "Hey, I I can't my my computer software won't do this the amount you're trying to invest because it's oh, too small." Gosh, are like, you serious? What a blow to your ego. Okay. Yeah, that's not very. <laughs> I, I was I was like. I mean, I felt so small. I was like, oh, I mean, I think I like, you know, oh, that's good. Okay. It won't do $20 a month. Okay. That's good. You know, all right. Well, and, he, and he's, he's like, I got to do this by hand. He was like, oh, he was my exasperated gosh. and annoyed. I'm like, okay, thanks. So it doesn't matter how small, but you have to start now. Like if you're not, if you're not investing, if you're not saving, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're 15, 25, 85, if you're not. If you're not doing it, it you need to start now because time is on your side. No matter how old you are, time is always on your side because any time it's better to start today than uh, than tomorrow. And it's better to start. It's if you didn't start yesterday, it's OK. Start today. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the amount. It, I mean, you want to. But start now. Automate the investing. Don't think about it. Whatever the amount is, make it automatic and start it and get it. Get it going. Get it investing because you could you just need to start. Um, the second one is I would say. Uh, and this is a, might be a little dangerous. If you have any type of credit card debt, of course you work on credit card debt. That's, you know, get rid of debt and don't take any, if you're about to go into college, like do whatever you can not to take those student loans because your, your college or university is not going to be your friend. They're going to say, take as much as you want. 
Oh, yeah. You know, they're going to write you a blank check, basically. They're your I mean, false friend. They make it seem like they want you. They want to be your friend. <laughs> They'll do anything for you. We'll make this work. <laughs> right, exactly. And then they, you know, they, they, they don't realize if you if you saddle people with all the student loans, they're not going to be able to give you much money back to your university. So I, it's weird. It, it would be it would be self-serving to them to help people not go through taking all the loans. Ah, but that's a cool uh, thing. Yeah, I don't know. But. Uh, so don't take any debt. And if you can, you can check. I mean, I would say that there are ways if you don't have any debt, you you don't carry credit card debt over. You can start to use credit cards to your advantage, but you never, ever, ever carry over a balance from month to month. But there are credit cards you get that give you all kinds of great points. You can go on these great trips for free, but only if you never, ever, ever, ever carry over a yeah. balance. Once you if you are get rid of that. And then when you can, credit cards can actually be your friend. That's a dangerous thing to say. We didn't actually even put it in the book. <laughs> but I think your audience is maybe a little bit farther down the road. We, we thought for college people starting out, we don't want to teach them how to travel hack or use credit cards to well, their advantage. Yeah, because yeah. they're only going to hear, and we, we're all victim to it. We only sometimes want to hear what we want to hear. So, <laughs> right, exactly. yeah, oh, okay. I can get a credit card, Pete said. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, but exactly. with the stipulation that you pay it off every month. Awesome. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The book is called Adulting 101. Pete Hardesty, the co-author, you can find him everywhere. You are everywhere. Hashtag wisdom for life with the number four. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pete Hardesty. And uh, thank you so much. You can pick up his book, too, when you get a chance. And I'm telling you, it's a great read, a way to bond with the kids. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Sandy, you thanks so much. It's been a blast. Thanks for what you're doing for people to, to help us, you know, figure out our finances, too. Oh, you're awesome. Thanks. Next week on the podcast, how to put a price tag on yourself. Now, this is really hard for a lot of us to determine our worth when going in for that raise or maybe pricing out how much we want to charge for our side hustle. Sheila Kennedy will help us know our true value, self-worth, and how it impacts us in every aspect of our lives. So that will be next Friday on the podcast. In the meantime, you have a great weekend and we raise a glass and say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe and tell a friend about the Seven Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.